Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Welcome to Rock Your Retirement. This is the show where we talk about what you need, besides money, before you retire. Or if you're already retired, we can give you some ideas on how to have a better retirement. Remember, there's other things to think about besides money when dealing with your retirement. And if you'd like to have a more interactive experience, join our private Facebook group by searching for Rock Your Retirement Community on Facebook. Our guest for today is Joyce Richmond. She's an executive coach who deals with executives when they are facing retirement. She helps them with some of the top challenges that married couples need to overcome as they move towards retirement. Joyce, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, thank you. I really appreciated the fact that you agreed to come on this show with us. You're an author, aren't you? I am. I'm an author. I'm an executive coach. And I'm, I'm someone who holds the notion of retirement near and dear to my heart. <laughs> now, why is that, Joyce? <laughs> well, because I'm breathing down the neck of trying to make that decision for myself. Do I move into it? Do I hold it off? What are the choices that I struggle with? Because the choices that I struggle with are among the many that so many of your listeners and our friends and neighbors struggle with as well. So tell me how you started working with executives as they retire. Was it just something that naturally progressed or was there a crisis? Oh, no, it was something that naturally progressed, Kathy. I, I've been doing executive coaching for so many years that many of these executives are individuals that I began with when they were young in their careers. And through the years, I stayed with them, coaching them through the different progressions of their career. And son of a gun, here we are, right at the brink of their retirement. And now, all the coaching that you've been doing with some of these executives is helping you in your own decisions. Well, it is, right? We learn from our own experience. Oftentimes, we project our experience onto others, so we really need to get it straight in our own head. With all of this experience that you've had working with executives, 
What do you see that some of the challenges are? Among the greatest challenges that I've, that in my experience that executives face is they really haven't talked through this with their spouses. Having been executives and having made executive decisions for many, many years, there's almost a presumption on their part that, of course, their spouse will go along with whatever it is we're going to do without the realization that mm that spouse does not work for this person. That spouse <laughs> has a healthy life, living it well, enjoying her or himself. And so this is a huge hurdle that many executives have to overcome. Is that because they're type A personalities? Well, I guess they could be type A, B, or C personalities. Whatever personality they have, they are so used to being in charge in control, and, and not in an obsessive way. So it's not like this is a weakness on their part or they're overly aggressive about this. I think it is something they have become so used to. They have become wonderful at it. And so there's just a natural presumption that everything will fall into place. You know, I've had, the, I've had command and control in my organization for all these years, so surely I'll be able to figure this retirement out, not having to really give it a lot of thought and not really having checked in with my partner or my spouse in terms of what's life going to be like for that person. You know, I'm so glad that you came on the show because I have found that the divorce rate seems to go up after somebody retires. Have you found that to be the case well, as well? Well, I certainly find, you know, and I'm, and I'm glad that you point that out because I have found that the stress levels that, and, and again, I think that it's, it's stressors that the retiree did not anticipate from the partner or the spouse that they are coming home to. That, you know, I married you for this and that, but not for lunch. It's like, my gosh, do you ever leave the house now? <laughs> Don't you have friends? Don't you go anywhere? Is that what the spouse is saying to the executive or vice versa? Well, no, it's what the spouse <laughs> is saying to the executive. It's my gosh. It's like because they have typically that the retiree who is the executive has been traveling, has been gone, has been so focused on his or her career for all these years that the at-home partner who may also be working, so it's not to suggest that the partner doesn't work and has, you know, has just lived a life of leisure. But they have lived their own life. And now the person who is retiring, and we're, in this particular instance we're talking about executives, we could be talking about anyone. There's almost a presumption that, okay, because now I'm retiring, you'll stop whatever you were doing, whether you're employed or not, and you'll keep me company. I've heard that over and over again. In my circle, it's usually the husband that has retired and the wife has built up a circle of friends. And now the husband is hanging around and the wife is saying, get out, right. <laughs> get out of the house. Right. I, I want to have coffee. Right, exactly. I, I, want, I want to have the life that I have come to enjoy in my own way. And I tell you, Kathy, another interesting thing in the flip on it, when we talk about the wife who has been working, and let's say that the husband has been more in a support role. Uh, so now the wife is home, and she expects very similar kinds of things. That at-home husband will drop everything that he has come to be accustomed to and do what she wants. In my experience, at least, it cuts both ways. I think we more typically think of the male being the predominant wage earner, but certainly as our society has evolved, that too has evolved. Yet the issues and the challenges remain the same. A certain presumption on the part of the individual 
who has had the lead role in terms of income production has certain assumptions when they come home that it's going to be the way I want it. And it's a rude awakening for them. So what do you do? I mean, my husband and I got married when I was an old lady. So we got married in 2008 Mm -hmm. and I'm 50. It was my first marriage and Mm -hmm. my last. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we started a meetup group maybe a year later for couples. Mm -hmm. There have been at least three divorces of people who used to be very active in the group. Wow. So what do you do? I mean, how do you counsel these executives on how to live and be happy together after retirement? This is my approach, Kathy. This is what I do. I begin to have those conversations with the executives that I'm working with in advance, like a couple years before, before the actual retirement takes place. And as we get closer to it, so within that year, as we're ramping up towards retirement, then I suggest to the, to the executive, let's, let's bring your wife into the conversation. So now I'm talking with the two of them. In some cases, many cases, I'll go to where they are or they'll come to where I am. And we'll, so the three of us are going to have a very candid conversation about expectations, expectations of themselves. What do I expect of myself during this time? What do I expect of my partner during this time? And we keep that conversation open and we keep it candid and we keep it honest. Because these are issues, if worked through in advance, it minimizes the potential for the kinds of stresses that you and I are talking about. Do you talk to the executive about outside activities? I mean, that's one of the reasons why this program started, because I noticed that people who have no activities tend to be the ones who don't have a good retirement. So let's let's talk about activities, then, Um, because as, as I approach it, what I'm trying to identify along with them would be what are those things that you do naturally that you love? Okay, let's just put activities to the side for a moment, but just talking generally. What are the things that you do naturally that you love? It doesn't take energy. In fact, it gives you energy and that you've always been this way since you were a kid. And I'm talking to someone who's maybe 67 or 70. And individuals can tell you that right away. Oh, I love to do this or that or the other. Or, oh, this has always been fun. I wish I had more time to do it. So then we say, okay, then how can that play out in your retirement? So now we're talking, it could be a volunteer activity, it could be consulting, it could be a hobby, it could be a small business that they want, that they've always wanted to start because they're entrepreneurial at heart. So we start talking early and often about what gives them pleasure, what gives them joy, what's fun, because you want to have a happy retiree. (laughs) You really do. Exactly. Right, because okay. if the retiree is happy, then the partner is going to be happy because that means that the retiree is involved, is interested, is energized, is active. And so, I mean, it's like, a, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. With the retirees happy, then the person with whom they live, they're happy too. That's great. That is great. So do you continue to work with the retiree after retirement or is it pretty much once they're retired, they don't need an executive coach anymore. So, Kathy, it's a great question. It's a great question because, again, because I've worked with so many of these folks over the years, so it's not like every week. It could be once a quarter. 
but I'm just kind of like part of their lives after a while, that a lot just like to check in. You know, it's like, okay, Joyce, let me tell you what, what, what I'm up to. Let, let me tell you what's, what's working. And let me tell you what just happened that uh, it's not going so well. I don't know what to do about it. And it, it may involve their kids who are, at that point, quite grown. These kids can now be 40 and 50 years old. But it, it, so there are always emerging issues, right, and emerging challenges that were we to feel that we have an objective ear and at the same time, someone who will ask honest, probing questions to really get at what the issue really is, not just what it appears to be. Most folks find comfort in that. That's great. So you're almost like a therapist without, without you know, the without, couch. Right. Well, and without being a therapist. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to misrepresent myself because I'm, I'm not a therapist. I'm a coach. And as a coach, what I have typically and over time worked with would be not only the development of that person and that person becoming increasingly aware and self-aware of what they may want to work on more or do differently, but also to be aware of emerging issues and challenges that they need to overcome in ways that it may not occur to them to overcome. Okay, so let's look at myself, Joyce. Mm -hmm. My husband is 20 years older than me. He's 70. I'm 50. And I want to travel. Mm -hmm. And he will do it, but he doesn't really want to. You know, he's done that. Been there, done that, right? Well, I'm 50. I haven't done as much traveling as he does. And I really enjoy that. So how would you resolve our issue of how I see my retirement versus how he sees his. Okay, so let's talk just about the issue of travel, right? Because the whole topic of retirement is huge, but travel, let's go, let's go there. And I've got the two of you together, okay, either on the phone, preferably in the room. So I'd say, okay, Kathy, you want to travel. Tell me what is it about travel that enlivens you, that you just love to do? So I, I want to hear what is it about travel? Okay. And in your response, I may hear something that causes me to ask another probing question to get a little deeper because I really want to understand and I want him to hear it. Okay. Now I'm going to turn to him and I'm going to say, okay, sounds like travel's off-putting to you. You said you've been there, done that, don't want to do it anymore. What is it in particular about travel that is so off-putting to you now? And, and, I, and I want to really hear what it is, not just been there, done that. That's surface. I'm going, to, I'm going to get below that. And even as I hear his response to that, I want to go a little deeper because there's more to it. And I want you to hear that. Then we're going to talk about, well, let's see if there is a way that you can meet each other in the middle where, Kathy, you can still do the travel. And his name is? His name is Les. Les. And Les, you can travel in a way that you enjoy without having to do the kind of travel you don't enjoy. So let's just brainstorm about what that could be like, what that could look like and feel like. Okay, so what I'm trying to do, obviously, is to find a way, not a compromise, because then you'd have to give something up, and he's given something up, but something better than a compromise. If, if doing it together is something, Kathy, that is really important to you. Now, if it really isn't important to you that you travel with him, 
And if he's fine with your going off and traveling with friends, then I don't think we've got an issue. I see. So basically what you do in a couple situation is you let the couple hear each other talk because sometimes it's better to have a middleman there. Like, for example, when I learned how to ski, mm-hmm. the last thing I wanted to do was to learn from my partner at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a ski instructor, I was up in skiing within a day. Mm. Now, I don't ski anymore. That was a long time ago. <laughs> but same thing when I learned how to play golf. I, I'm terrible at golf, but didn't want to learn from my partner took a lesson from a professional, boom, it was fine. So you're the professional that sort of helps people learn how to do things so that you're not squabbling with your your spouse. Is that- so, so Kathy, what I'm hearing and how you just described that about how you learn, how you learn more effectively, what that suggests to me is that when you learn from someone who is not the person that you are emotionally connected to, you can learn without judgment. You don't want to be judged if you fail in your learning. You want to be encouraged, not judged. So what I'm taking from that is where in this particular case, if I'm in your living room with the two of you, I'm not going to judge you for the way you want to travel. I'm not going to judge him because he's been there and done that. I'm clearly interested in the why and that we can move from why it's important to you and how you enjoy doing it to what is important to Les and how he wants to do things and find a way that we can build a bridge without judgment. See how good she is, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> so I can completely understand why, and it, first of all, an executive would have a little bit of trouble when it's time to retire. Do you find that a lot of your executives are pretty much wrapped up their their identity in what they've done for a living for the past 20 or 30 years? Not only do I find that, Kathy, I think that it, it escapes them that when they leave that job, that career, and that title, that they won't be treated with that level of deference again. That's a hard thing for them to recognize, and they don't recognize it until it actually happens. And then do they, how do they deal with that? <laughs> they don't like it. They don't like it. They feel disrespected. They, they feel invisible. And it makes them angry and frustrated and sorry they left the job. And at the same time, they knew it was time or they knew that, that, that or maybe the job left them. You know, not everyone chooses the retirement. Sometimes the company chooses to retire you. That's true. I've seen that as well. Sure. So just as we were saying about the preparation, the anticipation of retirement, part of it is to say, okay, this is what's going to happen. Let's talk now about what that's going to feel like, how you're going to deal with it. So really what you do is prepare people so that they're not taken off guard. Exactly. Exactly. So so many folks are so focused on the financial aspects of that preparation, and they figure, okay, if I've got the money to do it, then they think, okay, we're off to the races. We're good. Without recognizing how abrupt a shift it is in their lives and the way they're used to living their lives. Very good. That is very good. You know, I always say that the reason why I started doing this show is because I had clients when I was Back when I was a financial advisor, I had clients who, you know, had a lot of money and then I had clients who were living in a mobile home. And oftentimes the people who were living in the mobile home had a better retirement Mm -hmm. than the executives. And that could be why. 
because the people who were living in a mobile home didn't have these high expectations that the people living in a $3 million house did. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they didn't have an expectation that money would buy them the happiness that they had sought for all these years. So you can just imagine if you're unhappy, but you've been acquiring wealth, thinking that, ah, I'll retire and now I'll be happy. And all you've done is retired and now you've got the wealth, (laughs) but you're still not happy. Have you heard the stories about the people who win the lottery and then a year later they're divorced, Mm -hmm. they're depressed, they're taking drugs? Have you heard of those kind of stories? Yeah, I have. I have. Do you think it's related in any kind of way? It's interesting you bring it up. I don't know that I've ever thought of it in the context in which you and I have been chatting over the last half hour or so. It's fascinating. It, it, it really is. I think that, again, no preparation for what that life is going to be like. And you just you know, caught up in this nirvana of, I'm going to have all this money. And, and nobody's counseling you about, they may counsel you on how to invest your money, but not how to invest your life. Very, very good point. So let me sort of wrap up what we just talked about. So what you do with the executive is you have a a conversation a few years before they're going to retire and talk to them about what to expect. Some of these things that you talked about that they may feel disrespected, invisible, angry, frustrated, etc. That's a few years before. And then maybe a year before or so you'll bring in the spouse, talk to them about what they expect and talk to them about all the things that they may feel and ask them to be honest about their expectations Then you talk to them about what they loved to do when they were a child, what gives them energy, et cetera, to help them maybe make a transition into doing something in the future. Those things might be volunteer work, hobbies, consulting, businesses, et cetera. And then continue to check in with you, maybe quarterly or semi-annually or annually, to talk about some frustrations that they may have. And basically just be aware of what needs to happen in order for their retirement to work. Is, is that correct? Is, did that summarize it? I, I think it, you did great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you got an A. Oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> now, before we, we are coming to the end of the show, but before we wrap it up, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions. And the first one is, what do you think people should know before they retire? I think they should know who they are, not what they've done, but who they are, what they care about, what they value, Um, because I think that retirement is becoming a complete person. Awesome advice. Thank you very much. The last question is, let's say somebody's already retired. They didn't use your services. They feel stuck. You've met them at a party and they tell you that they feel stuck. What is the one piece of advice that you would give to that stuck retiree to help them get unstuck in their lives? To plumb the depths of that stuckness, that what they think they're stuck about isn't really it. It's something two layers down. And if they need help in dredging that up and putting some sunlight on it, give me a call. Perfect. Thank you so much much for coming on the show. How can my listeners reach out to you? Thanks, Kathy. My phone number is 336-288-1799. And do you have an email? I do. 
It's Joyce at JoyceRichman.com. And Richmond is R-I-C-H-M-A-N. So Joyce, Joyce at JoyceRichman.com. Correct? Perfect. That's exactly right. Okay, great. And I'm guessing you have a website to go along with that. I do. It's www.joycerichman.com. Awesome. Joyce, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're going to go ahead and have a freebie for our guests, and that is the five things you need to do before you retire. And you can get that freebie by going to www.rockyourretirement.com slash retire so that's rockyourretirement.com slash retire so Joyce thanks again for coming on the show we really appreciate it and thank you for having invited me thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show if you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Hi, this is Kathy. When I'm not hosting Rock Your Retirement, I'm helping people with their Medicare insurance. One of the times you need to check your Medicare insurance is when you've moved. To get my free guide, Five Things You Need to Know About Medicare When You Are Moving, just go to medicarequick.com slash move. And in the meantime, listen to these cool disclosures. Neither Medicare Quick nor its agents is connected with the federal Medicare program. Medical insurance licensed in the states of California, Florida, Nevada, and Texas, and Medicare Advantage and Prescription Drug Plan Service Areas vary. California Insurance License 0797566.